You are listening to the sermon podcast from St. Michael and All Angels Church in Savannah. We are an Episcopal congregation in the Diocese of Georgia, and you can find out more about us by visiting www.stmichaelsavannah.com. So it should be pretty obvious, I think, uh, that today things are different in church than they have been for the last few Sundays. The signs are subtle, I know, uh, but they are there. Uh, we have finished with the season of Epiphany, and now we start into the season of Lent. We have gone uh, from a season of light, really, to a season of the cross. Epiphany starts uh, with the star, with the light in the sky, drawing the magi that shines down upon the light of the world that's been born in Bethlehem. And over that, that course of the season of Epiphany, we see Jesus on a journey, sort of a journey from light to light. He performs miracles, he cures the sick, he uh, gets baptized and looks up and sees the heavens open and the, the spirit coming down on him like a dove. Uh, he shows up in the synagogue at home and proclaims the year of Jubilee and and we go with him as this sort of the light within him builds, shining on the people around him until it culminates in the reading that we heard last Sunday, the Transfiguration, where he, he sort of can't even bodily contain that light anymore. It bursts forth from him, uh, changes his appearance, and it falls on Moses and Elijah, and Peter and James and John, and scares the daylights out of all of them. That's the season of light in the season of Epiphany. But today, there's a turn. And really, we go back to where Epiphany started. We go back to the story of Jesus' baptism. The reading that we hear today is what comes immediately after that. We don't get into stories yet of miracles or of healings, but of Jesus in the wilderness. And we start this sort of second journey with him. The journey to Jerusalem the journey to the cross. And that story starts with Jesus in the wilderness uh, where he runs into, well, whatever you want to call him, uh, the deceiver, uh, Satan, the devil. Old Scratch is my favorite name for him. Um, <clears throat> whatever you call him, Jesus runs into him in the desert. And he's got a whole bag of tricks to try out uh, on Jesus. Uh, Jesus doesn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. That number 40, by the way, is important. It should set off some bells in your head for you. If it never has before, uh, take a couple of minutes to think about all the times that you hear the number 40 uh, pop up in the Bible. They're never by accident. So 40 days, uh, Luke tells us he doesn't eat. When that's over, he's hungry. And here comes Satan, uh, the voice of perfect reason. Oh, you're hungry. Oh, that's too bad. Well, there are rocks all around. You, you're the son of God. Just turn those into bread and then you don't have to be hungry anymore. Jesus does not fall for this. And he says, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. Because he knows that that won't satisfy him. 
And then the devil tries something different. He takes him up to the temple and he says, all right, now, if you're, if you're really the son of God, if you are who say you are, if what God whispered in your ear at your baptism, you are my son, my beloved, prove it. Everybody else out there wants to know that God loves them too. So now's your chance. Show them. Show yourself. Let's all see how much God loves you and will care for you. And Jesus manages to hold fast here. He's like, no, I'm going to put him to the test. No, no. Uh, but the devil's not done yet. He's got, he's got one more. One more shot, right? So he takes Jesus way up on a mountain. You see the whole world laid out below and and everyone in it. And he says to him, you know, these are the folks you came to save. All of them. I'll give them all to you and leave them alone forever. If you'll just bow down and worship me. Now there's nobody else here. No one will know. Just, just you and I. And all of this can be yours. And Jesus says, that's it. Get out. I'm, I'm, I'm done with you. Uh, and, and, and Satan leaves him until an opportune time. We'll come back to that another time. Really, in a lot of ways, the temptation uh, narrative that we hear, it is the temptation of easy answers, of the quick fix. If you're hungry, just make some bread. You can do it. Uh, if, you, if you're the son of God and you're God's beloved, just prove it once and for all. Then no one will have to worry. You want to save all these people? I can give them to you. It seems so reasonable. The devil offers him comfort and security and power all wrapped up into one. And it's yours for the taking. Jesus doesn't take it, though. He, he doesn't fall for it. And it, it, it's easy then to read this passage and go, well, aha. We, we start this season of Lent, which is a season of you know, self-denial, where we turn away from things that we might otherwise want. And we start with Jesus resisting temptation. And because he can resist temptation, then I should be able to resist temptation because I believe in him. Right? It never works for me. <laughs> I always know what I should do. The problem is I can't always do it. Um, I know that I should be able to be strong in my faith in Jesus uh, and resist the things that tempt me. But as my spiritual director is fond of reminding me, should is a difficult word. Maybe I should, but I can't. Try as I might, I still, you know, want to try out that bread made from stone, even though I know that it's not really going to satisfy that hunger. But we just keep trying it again and, and again. And I, I know that I should trust that God loves me, that I am valuable and worthwhile to him. But because I really know who I am, it's hard for me to believe that God would feel that way about me. So then I start looking for other ways to make myself feel better and more secure. Those tend not to work out any better than the bread made from stone. But still, we, we, we try. 
And, you know, during this season of Lent, especially, I don't know if y'all have Lenten disciplines. I, I, I hope you do. Um, but as we go through this season and we're, <laughs> we're trying to stick to them, you know, we know we'll just keep our eyes on Jesus and, and he'll, he'll, he'll help us with this. But um, I get distracted by the glittery, shiny things that I want. And I follow them. You know, my, I had a professor in, in seminary who taught us that an idol is really nothing more than a good thing that wants too much of us. And it's those good, glittering, shiny things that I will give too much of myself to. Even though I know I shouldn't. So... Where does, this, where does this leave us? If we know what we should do, but if we're honest with ourselves and we realize that we can't, <coughs> what hope is there for us? Jesus Christ. Well, there you go, Murray. Thank you. I can sit down now. <laughs> the, point is the point of the temptation story is not what we should do. It's what God could and would do for us. It's not about our ability to resist temptation. It is proclaiming that Jesus did that for us. If you look carefully at his story in the desert, it mirrors the story of the Israelites in the Exodus as they come out of Egypt. Only where they make the wrong choices, he manages to make the right one. God said, I'm going to rain down manna from heaven. I'm going to give it to you every day. You will have enough for that day. But you can't keep it till tomorrow because you got to trust I'm going to give it to you then again. And what did we do? We tried to keep it till tomorrow. And it spoiled. We're hungry. Give us that extra bit of bread. God said to Moses, listen, the people are thirsty and they think that you've led them out here to die. I'm going to give them water. I'm going to take care of them. You just say to the rock that I said, let the water come out and I will do this. I've got you. But Moses gets to the rock, doesn't quite believe what God says, and starts poking at it with the staff until he finds some water. Moses says, listen, I've got to go up on the mountain and talk to God for a little while. He has some things to tell me. Don't do anything while I'm gone because I'm coming right back. And he stayed for a little longer than we were comfortable with. And when he came down the mountain, what had we done? Hey, look, we threw a bunch of gold into the fire and look what, look what came out. We have this wonderful calf to worship because we needed a God to follow. Everywhere that they went wrong, Jesus turns the other way because he knows that left to our own devices we will make the wrong choice again and again we will seek bread that does not satisfy our hunger we will look for ways to feel loved and safe and we will wander away after those glittery shiny things that attract us even though we know we shouldn't but all along that journey towards light and the epiphany and all along this journey towards the cross and Jerusalem, what we see again and again is that Jesus on that journey always gathers to him, draws to him all of those people around him who seek for things that they shouldn't. 
who cannot resist the temptation, who look for bread that doesn't satisfy. And He will do that for us as well. To draw us closer to Him if only we are willing to let Him feed us not with bread made of stone, but with the bread of heaven, with His own body. To draw us safely and securely in His loving embrace of His arms stretched out on the cross. Knowing that He will hold us so close to Him that even our wandering eyes can't help but be filled with the radiance of His glory. Amen. Amen.